Hi, everyone. Good evening. Uh, my name is Craig Fernandez, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Lock and Stock. And welcome to another edition of the Resilient Together podcast. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Resilient Together podcast. My name is Lamia Butt, and today I'm in conversation with Craig Fernandez, co-founder and CEO of the Lock and Stock app. Craig is one of the recipients of the Future Stars Award, as honored by the esteemed Arabian Business Achievement Awards. Founded in 2017, his app, Lock and Stock, has over 27,000 registered students from over 415 schools, universities, and institutions in the UAE and around the world. In just his early 20s, he runs the fastest growing student startup in the UAE and MENA region. Just two hours ago, in fact, before this podcast, Lock and Stock has announced a Founders Club, which is geared towards young entrepreneurs who have killer ideas or just have started their journey. And Lock and Stock can help lift off your business. We will talk about that and a lot more later on in this podcast. So continue listening if you are a budding entrepreneur. Thank you so much, Craig, for being here. It's a pleasure to have you again on the podcast. I'm so sorry for what happened the first time. Uh, if anyone is not aware, we had to reshoot. So thank you so much. I know you're so busy and thank you for taking the time out of No, today. honestly, 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 thank you for having me. As I told you last time, and I'm going to tell you again, because I really do mean it. Thank you so much for having me. And it's really my pleasure to be here. So thank you. Also, also, also to add like a quick, quick, quick caveat, like the 27,000 number is really outdated. Like I think about like 50,000 students right oh, now. Yeah. So. 27,000, that was like a long time back, like Jesus. We went to the latest uh, report because the oh. website says 25,000 may add. The so, really thin. We have to speak to our web dev guys. Like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> My need, bad. I think, that's, I think that's a conversation for later. Like, um, hello, change like, the numbers. What's going on? Like, I was asked if we had like 27,000 students. That's wrong. Uh, so don't worry. I'll get on a call after this and I'll clear that out. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so for the one person who is listening, I'm going to ask you this again, and lives under a rock, has no idea what Lock and Stock is, can you describe it to them? Sure, sure. Um, Lock and Stock is a mobile application that lets you enjoy the real world. Uh, so much of our lives have become intertwined with, you know, our digital devices, our mobile phones, really. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube, you take your pick. Uh, Lock and Stock gives you a reason to put your phone away and just enjoy life really. And we think, I don't know, if you ask me, life is worth living. Um, and so we give you a reason to enjoy the real world. That's what Lock and Stock is, in a nutshell. Perfect. And you are on the Resilient Together show. And resilience is one of our core values. And so it's community engagement and youth empowerment. So I have to ask you, Craig, what does resilience mean to you? And how have you been able to apply resilience into your business? Well, so after, after the last time, after we finished the podcast, I actually went and Googled what the exact definition of resilience was. So, so, so resilience, you know, the ability to stand strong and fight, um, that is really, um, is really embedded in the core value here at Lock and Stock. I think without just the ability to fight and just stay strong and persevere um, and be resilient, really, uh, Lock and Stock would not exist today. Um, I was 20 when I co-founded Lock and & Stock and a lot of our team members, you know, who joined us 
at the earliest stages especially we're like 21 or 22 um and i think you know it's really really hard coming from where we come from you know most of us live in like gisas or abu hail basically in old dubai it's really hard where we come from to do something like this i don't know anybody else who has um and so that required a lot of resilience and perseverance along the way so that that's how resilience has impacted lock and stock's journey definitely and young craig so we uh, so it's been mentioned in a few uh, uh, like articles as well and i think when you had come to the vice scholars as well as yesterday you had mentioned making like 10000 profit over fo- uh, hosting football tournaments at the age of just 15 what do you think has been the person or circumstance growing up that has had a significant contribution contribution to shaping this entrepreneurial personality of yours ah uh... what has been this just just if i could understand the question you said what has been like the most significant person or like circumstance uh, it, it could be anything circumstance you know you talked about living uh, coming from where you oh. do come from it yeah yeah no for sure i think uh, if you ask me what was the biggest circumstance that really led to you know me just going on this path in life i i think just my upbringing really shaped that and i don't mean like okay fine you know there was inspiration all around and stuff like that because really there wasn't frankly speaking you know where 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 i come from and where i'm sure you come from as well you know you're expected to go to school graduate from school go to college graduate from college and then go get a job 9 to 5 that's the way it's going to be um and that's just the way it is and where i come from you know i grew up in an apartment in charger where you know we um we used to spend like 6000 dirhams a year on rent uh 6000 dirhams a year is very 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 little so that just gives you perspective like you know where i come from and i remember like growing up and <clears throat> i would like read about oh you know jz bought an island or mukesh ambani bought a sports team and i remember thinking to myself like shit like that's awesome like why can't i have that like that sucks uh, why why can't i do that um and that really 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 stoked the fire more than anything else that really stoked the fire where i come from and the desire to not go back there and go back to like that's that sort of life really to 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 change the reality that really stoked the fire the the football tournament per se that that's just me in general with with entrepreneurship but the football tournament per se i mean going to the back of you know like whatever like not so wealthy background yada 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 I didn't really get a lot of pocket money when I was growing up. Um by that time by by the time I was 15, we had actually moved and we were living in Gisas. Um about 10 minutes walking distance from Dubai scholars and I remember I remember my parents would give me like 10 dirhams back then it was 10 dirhams minimum cap per 10 dirhams for cab home from scholars and I would save the 10 dirhams literally I just I saved the 10 dirhams and I'd walk home and you grew up in Dubai you know how Yeah. How hot it is in April or May is really really hot. Uh it's it's like 50 degrees. It's 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It's 50 degrees. It's scorching hot. You feel like you're in the fires of hell themselves. But whatever man, like the 10 bucks meant a lot. So I used to keep the 10 bucks. Um and just walk home literally. So that was that was what got like you know I remember thinking to myself how can we how can we how can i do something about this you know cuz i want to go enjoy life i'm 15 years old what the hell uh what am i going to do with 200 dirhams so that's how the football tournament idea got started i wrote to my best friend and i was like yo man like you know do you want to do this with me and he was like cool let's do it and that's how the entire football thing got started
those are the circumstances that led to that. And, you know, the reason why I highlighted this question again is because when we were discussing about this yesterday, it truly hit home. And I know there's so many people listening that are relate with it as well. Uh, growing up, there, there's a huge difference, you know, at least even over here and anywhere around the world between uh, children who have that sort of opportunities, that access, that privilege compared to those who don't. And it's, it's only the way we look at it and how we shape, you know, how we are shaped from it that ends up um, determining our future. And, yeah, and 100%, really... 100%. I, I, sorry to cut you off. Like 100%. I, I just agree with you so much. I just had to cut you off. I'm sorry. Um, literally, that's exactly the perspective right there. You know, you can look around and say like, oh, shit, you know, my life sucks. Like, you know, that's it. And then you can go sit in a corner and like, you know, feel sorry for yourself. Or you can do something about it and go out there and change your reality, literally. Yeah, and not to make this about myself, but I think that's a huge reason why I do what I do. If it's even in school, if it's resilient together, it's just about making sure that even with I, I, I'm privileged to get this education, you know, I'm privileged to be able to have this internet and talk to you right now face to face. So I think that sort of uh, mindset is something that a lot of students uh, like me, like you growing up have. And it is really inspirational. I, I have to tell you that. I, trust me, I went after yesterday. I was like, that's all I was discussing. And even uh, the time aspect, which I will get to in later questions. Now, you started your business with your father. So you wanted to say something? I was actually going to say, like, I actually think what you're doing with Resilient Together is super cool. And I'm sure it's not just myself. I'm sure a lot of other people think that. So I just want to point that out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. Now, you are in business with your father. He is the co-founder and CEO of Lock & Stock. How is it like working with him? Uh, because all we have here nowadays is never mix your personal life and professional life. How is it? Have you both become accustomed to keeping that fine line between professional life and working life? But that gets really blurry now, now that you're both at home, you're together. It's, so how does that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, there... There, there are pros and cons per se, but I think the pros far outweigh the cons. I know that, you know, when times get tough and, you know, if things go bad, the one person I can really rely upon above all else, right? So we have, I know a lot of people and I've just come across a lot of people in different walks of life and just throughout life's journey uh, so far. And I know a lot of people, but the one person I can really trust above all else to have my back when things go, when things go down is my dad. So that is, I think, the biggest con and it outweighs all any, sorry, it's the biggest pro and it outweighs any cons that come with it. So that's that. What a, a, what a, a relevant topic to the day that we are uh, talking about this. It's Father's Day. So uh, is there anything you yeah, want to tell your father? I'm, I don't I'm know if he's going to listen to this. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to go buy him a cake like after this podcast. So shh. We will not tell anyone and we'll try to keep it short so that we don't waste much of your time. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so you wanted to start Lock and Stock. You were in class. You came up with the idea. Why did you think this particular business is what you wanted to put in your time and effort into? Did you see a gap in the market? What made you think this business is what will be successful and what will end up, you know, becoming your life um i think you know that that's a really really good question yeah no i think i think um 
lock and stock and the idea and just the pursuit of lock and stock, I, I, I opened my eyes, literally. Um, <clears throat> I remember that you know, I, was, I was in class and I looked up and I just looked around the room. I was in my fourth year and I looked around the room. It was, a, it was a rather small class. There were maybe 20, 22, 23 people, something like that. And I looked around the room and literally, I kid you not, Lamia, every single person is on their phone or tablet or laptop. And I'm just, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, like, is this, is this what, like, our reality has become? Literally, there are 23 kids. Every single person is on their phone or on their laptop or on their tablet. Nobody's looking up. The poor professor is just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking because he's getting paid to do that. So why not? Um, nobody's learning anything. And this entire charade is just going on. I'm not going to lie. I was probably a part of this myself for the first four years of university or for my first three years at least. Uh, but one day in, in 20, 2017, I noticed this and I was like, wow, like this might actually be a problem. Um, so I actually didn't care about, you know, whether it would be a success or be a failure or anything like that. It was just a problem. And I was like, let's do something about this. You know, let's find a way to solve this problem and find a way to solve this problem. And if it actually helps people's lives get better along the way. But that is not, honestly, that's not what I was thinking about at all. When we first, when I first got the idea and I was looking for like, you know, okay, fine, you know, how can we use like technology to fight this? I, I didn't think about the money. It was about, you know, how can we, how can we help these, how can we help, how can I help my fellow students concentrate in class and learn per se? That was the end objective. And honestly, you know, I will still tell you this to this day, <clears throat> even if lock-in service doesn't make any money and, you know, the business model doesn't work and whatever we go bankrupt per se, I, I, I told this to the team as well. I'd still, I'd still keep lock and stock running because it, it helps people, it helps people improve their lives, literally. I got an email, or I say I, the team, like somebody dropped an inquiry on our website. Yeah, I mean, she sent the email and she was like, you know, she was like, lock and stock is the reason why I passed my exams. Like, um, I was able to cover like 75% of my portion because lock and stock motivated me to keep my phone away. And stories like that are the reason that we do this, not for the money or anything else. Literally, it's just stories like that. And that, that, that email is the reason why three and a half years ago, we got into this, right? Just solving a problem. I've even told this to the, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I'm just gonna say it again because I, I like saying it. I even told this to the team. Um, <clears throat> we keep lock and stock running. Even if you know, we went bankrupt and couldn't make any money, I will personally pay for the server expenses to keep lock and stock running on AWS just because I think, I think it, everyone's not going to lock their phones, but there is a certain subsection of the population that actually, you know, with a little push could keep their phones away and, you know, focus. And that's why we do it. Oh, and talking about the team, how important is it, especially in the beginning to have a team that, you know, is going to support the vision that you have even now as the team keeps growing how do you find the right uh, like members of the team to join the team now that it's already become so big <laughs> um so it's funny you mentioned that because i think yesterday when we were talking i mentioned that we have 25 people on the team as of right now for this like round two as of right now we have 28 so, and I think it's probably going to be 29. Like if there's a round three tomorrow, it's probably going to be 29 by tomorrow. So 
I'll, I'll just, I'll walk you through the hiring process. Literally, I was on an interview call yesterday after the podcast. Um, and this one girl was like, you know, did you look at my CV? And I was like, no, I didn't look at your CV. Like your CV, like I don't look at anyone's CV. Is there 25 people, 28 people, 27 people, whatever, whatever the number was at that time. I haven't looked at anyone's CV. I don't care about your CV, literally. I will talk to you and it will take me 10 minutes of talking to you to understand the person that you are, how confident you are, how good you are at communication, what do you want from this position, what do you want in life. It will take 10 minutes to understand all of this. I don't care about your CV. I just want to understand you as a person. Because if you don't have any, any experience or anything like that, it's, it's completely fine, honestly. I told her this. I was like, the only thing that we're looking for is young smart and hungry those are the only three qualifying criteria and every single member of the lock and stock team um fits those three criteria um Hussain, he's also a device follows alumnus just by the way just shout out for that and uh literally he looks at me and he goes like and this is before he was even on the team he looks at me and he goes like bro like who manages your social media like it's shit and i was like i was like what do you mean honestly he's like he's like man it's ass like and I was like, okay, like, what would you recommend? Um, not, okay, let me see your CV, like, let's consider you. I was like, okay, what would you recommend? And he made some suggestions and I was like, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, one week later, he's the chief marketing officer at Lock and Stock and the rest is history. And Hussein is just one, one example, <clears throat> but literally every single member of the team joined through that same selection criteria. Talking about Hussein and the chief marketing officer, um, not only does Lock and Stock use uh, a very witty presence on Instagram, that's the way I've decided to peg it, uh, with memes, but a, lock, a very integral part of Lock and Stock, you know, increasing its base has been, you know, the referral system, the brand ambassadorship, the giveaways. So how important are these marketing forces in the success of Lock and Stock? So what we, what we actually realized when we ran a couple of tests and we just, we just looked at the numbers. I, I think I told you this yesterday, but I'm just, I'm a big numbers guy. I love numbers. I make all my decisions based on numbers. It probably is a flaw in all honesty, but that's just the way I am. And we looked at the numbers and literally we looked at like uh, user acquisition channels and turns out, and I, I don't think it came as a surprise, but turns out that users who were referred by other users tended to stay more, tended to come back more, or tended to stay longer, tended to come back more often, tended to do more things, right? They were just more active than users who were acquired through other user acquisition channels. <clears throat> so that's what we've actually kind of done. We've spent a lot of time really trying to like build up the referral system and just get our users to get their friends on board, literally, to get their friends on board. Um, in the month of May, so May 2020, we spent zero on marketing, zero on advertising. We spent zero on paid advertising. And it was our strongest registration month ever, literally ever. We had never, we crazy numbers in the month of May. Oh, yeah. And we spent nothing on advertising. So that, I, I was actually super proud of that. I think that's testament to like all the hard work that we've been putting in. Where literally our users just refer their friends. And that's how the, that's how the, the ecosystem grows per se. A large part of that is our brand. Um, I told I told Hassan. I remember like speaking to him like three years ago. I was like, he was like, man, like you know, how do you want to like, <clears throat> how do you want to like build our social media? Like, what do you what do you want it to be like? Do you want it to be like super like corporatey or like you know what do you want it to be like? 
And I was like, honestly, man, you're, you're a pretty funny bloke. Just make it like yourself. <laughs> and literally, so what you read on Instagram is really just like Hassan talking. Like that's the way he talks normally. Um, and yeah, so what we, what we realized was that if we're going to communicate with students, we have to talk in their language, honestly. Um, short of swearing, everything else, just as witty as can be, as sarcastic as can be, just talk in their language, literally. Uh, because we're not trying to appeal to 30-year-olds or 35-year-olds or 40-year-olds. We're trying to appeal to 15-year-olds and 20-year-olds, right? So that's, that's our target audience. So, you know, and we're, we're not 30, 40 ourselves. Uh, we were students just a couple of years back. Um, so how can we appeal to this audience? How can we just talk like them, just be ourselves, literally? Um, so yeah, that, that really defines our entire marketing like scope, per se, for the most part. So talking about having a young audience and targeting that young mm-hmm. audience, that young audience per se, especially like um, in the UAE or anywhere around the world, we don't have our own money that we are normally like paying and giving towards lock and stock per se. So what do you, what is lock and stocks like business model? How does it earn the revenue? What goes behind that in the beginning? How did you earn and how did that sort of diversify and progress as you took on platforms like edge and stuff like that? Uh, so, 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 so that's a good question. Actually, that's a good question. Um, how did the business model kind of develop? Okay, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> the original business model in at, at the time of inception, like three and a half years ago, I still actually have that Google sheet, like that actual business plan, like saved on my laptop. We don't use it anymore. I've since renamed it to trip down memory lane and I just keep it there just to like look at it and laugh every once in a while. Um, but literally the original business model way back in the day was, um, get a bunch of users, get like a bunch of students, get them to lock their phones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then, you know, have these guys go to our brand partners to redeem offers and discounts and bring those brand partners revenue and then charge the brand partners, right? On like a for redemption basis or something like that, kind of like an entertainer style model, uh, if that makes sense. Um, That didn't really work out simply because for these brands, they wanted a lot more users and a lot more uh, redemptions and whatever before they'd actually consider paying us. We've since reached that point, but I remember like in the the original plan was, okay, we launch in September, we we make it free for three months. And then after three months, we start charging the brands. It took three years, not three months. So that was the original business plan. Um, so along the way, we had to find other sources of revenue. And what we found was that, okay, fine, you know, who's going to pay us to advertise to 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 or 40,000 students, right? Who's going to pay us? Who really needs these students? Um, <clears throat> and we actually found the business model by accident, literally by accident. Uh, we're, we're scrounging around, we're looking around, we're, we're calling whoever we can trying to find, you know, like somebody who would, somebody who would pay us, literally. Um, and lo and behold, a university, right? A university calls us and they go like, hey, like lock and stock. And we're like, yeah, lock and stock. And they're like, okay, so we want to run some ads on lock and stock. And we said, okay, fine, cool. Like that, that works for us. Um, <clears throat> and whatever, you know, we signed the agreement, they paid us the money, we ran the ads. 
And I still remember these numbers. I use these numbers in every single investor pitch I've ever done. We began these ads for this university on, on August 1st, right? And you know that university semesters all start in September. So you had four weeks. We had four weeks to run these ads and actually show these guys an ROI so that maybe they'd renew or maybe we could sign other universities. I don't know. Um, because literally we're just groping at this point. We're trying to find something and then praying it works. So we ran these ads on like August 1st, August 1st, and for four weeks until like September. And in those four weeks, we brought that university 10% of their entire wow. student intake. Literally 10%. I remember, I remember sitting in a meeting with them in October and they literally looked at us and went like, where do we sign? How do we take it from here? And I remember like, I tried, I tried to like conceal it and be coy, but literally my um, that's how it started. And that's how we got our first ad client. Um, so yes, near full market penetration. And now we've actually gotten universities from overseas as well to like advertise with us. Um, <clears throat> and so that was actually how like, like that was actually how the business model really came into action. And then along the way, the brands were also like, okay, like, you know, you guys are bringing us some like decent number of redemptions. Maybe we should pay you. And we're like, yeah, you think? And <laughs> now they pay us. So that, that's how oh, wow. it, so it all worked out. Before you found that perfect business model, um, how, what drawbacks or what failures uh, did you like or the company go through? And how did you show resilience during those particular periods? Because again, it, a lot of people would have given up, wouldn't have gone ahead. So how did you show resilience during that time? Uh, okay, okay. So yeah, you know, the period before what I just described was really, really tough. Uh, the three months, so I said August 1st when we launched that ad campaign. Up until that point, Lock and Stock had booked up until August 1st, 2018. Starting from September 24th, 2017, I think Lock and Stock had booked like 900 dirhams in revenue we had a lot of users a lot of students a lot of kids locking their phones but we had booked like 900 dirhams in revenue so it was really really tough because that what i just described was fine in the beginning like not booking any revenue just getting users but at the end of the day like <clears throat> this is not a charity like we have to keep the lights on we have to put food on the table like what the hell um so the three months prior to august 1st was a really 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 tough period around that time like i had just broken up with my girlfriend at the time and so i was like emotionally emotionally heartbroken um which sucked right and then on top of that like my, my dad wakes up one day and he goes like you know <clears throat> i'm going to india to become a yoga instructor and i'm just like what like what do you mean and whatever he went to india and became a yoga instructor um, <laughs> and at the same time, while all of this stuff is going on, we're three months away from bankruptcy or four months away from bankruptcy. We're on the, on the, on the cusp of bankruptcy, literally. Um, and it was really tough. And I think that, you know, honestly, it would have been super easy in like mid 2018 to just throw in the towel and then like, you know, this is not going to work enough is enough. I'm going to go out there and just find a job, literally, um, whatever I give up. It would have been really easy to say all these things. But, um, but something, something, something inside of me just, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't really know what it was, but something inside of me just wouldn't let that happen. It's wow. weird. Even if you ask me to this day, like that, those three months, I don't think I've ever worked that hard in my life. I don't think I will ever work that hard in my life. I don't know what happened. Honestly, it was, it was literally just 
okay, Craig, like you're not going to let this company go down. Put your head down, tunnel vision, just get the shit done. Literally. That's it. Nothing else matters. Um, and yeah, I remember like 18 hour, 19 hour, 20 hour days, seven days a week, four weeks a month for like three months. I went to every single meeting. I made like 500 calls a day. I was going to these meetings on the Metro cause I don't drive. And, um, I'm making calls while I'm on the Metro. I would leave a meeting, sit in the reception of the building and just make calls, make calls, make calls, make calls because like it's 5 PM. So if I don't make these calls right now, these guys are all going to leave work. They don't work until 3 AM like me. So I got to call them right now. So I'm sitting in the reception after the meeting, hoping the guys I met didn't walk out and see me. And I'm just sitting there making calls, making calls, making calls, making calls. That, that's, that's it literally. And lo and behold, it worked. So yeah, that, that was, that was the most resilient time, a period in the history of Lock and Stock. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, a lot of credit goes to the team as well. Everybody really stepped up. Time, just time. How valuable of an asset, yeah, just time. How valuable of an asset is it for you? It and is, I think, um, I think more important than anything else, literally. I will gladly spend 100 dirhams to get 100 minutes of my life. Like, literally. That, that is my pure opportunity cost. I'm an economic student by background, and so oh, everything I, I do, I Oh, you love eco? Awesome. Love, awesome. Love. I think you and I can be good friends. Yes. <laughs> um, so literally like um every decision that i make i weigh up the opportunity cost and frankly speaking you know time is so you know as i said earlier i i wasn't wasn't born rich or anything and not rich right now either uh but i'm competing against or we at lock and circle competing against people and companies that have millions of dollars or millions of dirhams or rupees or whatever currency you use in the bank they're they're richer than us they're better capitalized than us they have more resources than us right so how do we beat them literally how do we beat them um i think there's one thing so regardless of how many other resources they have i think there's one thing that both us and the competition have in common right it's just equalized and that's time i think um our competitor lock and stock you me we all have 24 hours in a day and if you can use your 24 hours more productively than the other guy every single day, right? 24 hours more productively every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, you will win. It will happen. I don't know how long it'll take. It might take two months, it might take three months, it might take six months, it might take one year, it might take 10 years, but you will win. It will happen. Uh, that's why I value time above all else. It is my most valuable asset. Perfect. Now for the rapid fire questions, I know the pet peeve question is something that you no, have been working on. I've actually been practicing. Yeah, you're right. So don't worry. I'm all set. Let's go. <laughs> okay. I have changed up a few of the questions just to keep it like rapid. Um, yeah. Now one, if you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? Other than the cake that you're going to get for your dad. Dinner box at KFC. Oh, perfect. Twister, and what do you get? Or is it just the dinner box? Just like three pieces of chicken and bread and fries. You go classic, like Twister and stuff. Oh, classic. <laughs> All right. So when you are having that dinner box, what is on the TV? The Last Dance. Okay. And first thing you do when you wake up? Check my email. Last documentary you watched? 
the last dance the worst thing about having your own business the worst pressure what do you do to deal with burnout do you feel burnout of course everyone feels burnout what do i do to deal with burnout i watch sports and the word uh, sorry the biggest pet peeve the question that we have been waiting for your biggest pet peeve Greg. Uh, getting food poisoning while traveling all right and what is something that people seem to misunderstand about you that i had it easy in life and if you could go into the future what is one thing you would like to tell future craig i hope you made the right choices all right and the most important business lesson that you've learned over the years work hard persevere and just get the shit done and if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be mumbai all right and what do you do in your free time if you have any free time i watch sports literally i i i do love to travel um but unfortunately i don't have that much free time uh so in this little bit of free time that i have here and there i watch sports what's your favorite sport now that you've said sports honestly honestly it is cricket just cuz oh, you know I'm in the yes. mumbai indians like the best ipl team out there so it, it is cricket i love cricket uh cuz i'm indian but i i, I honestly I love competition. I watch every sport. I'll watch basketball, I'll watch American football, I watch soccer, I watch every sport. I'm a sports I'm a sports addict. Let's put it like that. Wow, I can just relate to the cricket part, but definitely relate. Who is your favorite cricketer? Sachin Tendulkar. Come on. Of course, legend. Big time legend. legend. Goat right there, I think. The best often on the field. Now, iOS or Android? iOS. 100%. and this might be a little bit controversial so if anyone listening right now is a current team member of lock and stock please switch it off favorite team member at lock and stock my dad oh of course other than your dad <laughs> uh, <laughs> favorite team member here at lock and stock uh maria butt i think she's shown a lot oh. of you know a lot of but a strong and a lot of fight in the last one month and we're super proud to have her Wow, I shall let her know after this podcast is done. She's going to be too happy. Okay, so that is the end of the rapid fire segment. A uh, great job. Definitely rapid and yeah, great pet peeve answer. Like when the hamper like Yeah, so you know what? I've been thinking about this. I was not quite sure if so what we're going to do is, you know how Coffee with Karan has it and so I'm giving credit if I don't think so anyone from Coffee with Karan is listening to this, but <laughs> what we're going to do is at the end of the year or like the like 3 months like the quarter we're going to be selecting the best rapid fire answer and then we're going to ho- like hopefully send something to the person or something i don't know okay awesome that sounds that sounds pretty cool i hope my answers cut it i don't know but i feel like now that the other people know that this is happening they'll like think of much wittier answers than me so the benefit of the doubt is given can tell okay. you that <laughs> okay okay so now what is the ultimate goal for lock and stock it could be monetary it could be something that has like another socio economic uh, aspect any question you want like a long answer you one oh, more answer, answer. No, no oh um so lock and stock okay so the the ultimate goal of lock and stock is to impact as many student lives as possible that is our first mission statement that is our first 
I say mission statement, but honestly, I hated that. I hated that term in business class, mission statement. Um, it, is our, it is our first like core value, literally. Just improve as many students' lives. <clears throat> it's to improve students' lives. And the better we can do that, the more successful we will consider our work to be. Uh, if you check our website, there's actually an updating counter on our website, which, which logs total time spent offline. I'm not sure what it is right now, but as of last week, we had accounted for 500 years of total time spent offline across all of our students, 500 years across all of our students. And I personally speaking, and I think I speak for everybody else on the team, when I say that we are super proud of that number. I think it's the one number, it's the one number that we are all super proud of. It's our North Star right there. Um, that's 500 years of time that we've given back to uh, 15 year olds, 16 year olds, 17 year olds, 18 year olds, 20 year olds, 25 year olds, uh, given back to them and allowed them to spend in the real world. It's time that we've given back to teachers, professors, educators, um, you know, in their classrooms. And we are very proud of that. We want to take that 500 years and make it like, 10,000 years, um, <clears throat> and along the way, improve student li students' lives in whatever way we can. Talking about improving students' lives, there are a lot of students, uh, 15 to 25-year-olds and younger, older, that might be listening to this, and they have an idea. They have a business idea. Tell us about the Founders Club. How can people get involved? What do you need to have? Do I need to have like a solid plan that I would need to present? How is it? Just tell us all everything. No, no, no. So the thing is, the thing is, I, I, I personally think that, you know, if you find any other similar programs around, like they'll be super complex, really long application form, submit like 15 documents and like, I don't know, like a, like a bunch of other stuff. Um, show us your like school transcripts and stuff like that whatever, a bunch, bunch of unnecessary stuff, literally. Um, we've been through this before. We know that like everything just starts with an idea, literally. Um, so the, the application form is super simple. You can find it on our website and go to our website, read up about it. And for any student who's listening, if this is the thing for you, I highly recommend submitting an application form. Um, we used our own experience as our barometer for whether to actually launch this program or not. And I know for a fact that like, you know, I'll speak from just personal experience that in 2020, in 2017, I'm sorry, uh, when we launched Lock and Stonk, it was, it was really hard. You know, we're, we're 20 year olds or 21 year olds. <laughs> we're 20 year olds or 21 year olds. And, um, you know, we, we launched Lock and Stonk. And when you're that age, coming from where we come from, so we don't have like, <clears throat> you don't have like a sugar daddy who's opening doors for us. Um, when you're that age, when you're young and coming from where we come from, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta strive for everything that you have, uh, for everything that you get, literally. Um, so it's hard, right? It's hard um, when you're young, and especially when you're from like Sharjah, Gisas, Bardabai, Karama, Mohesna, even. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hard, it's hard. And we used our own personal experience as our judge for whether to launch the Founders Club. Now, I don't know how it'll go. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I don't know how it'll go. I don't know how it'll do. But frankly speaking, it's just, you know, entrepreneurship is something that's close to my heart and like lock and stock's heart. And it's something that we just wanted to do, literally. We just said, let's launch this. Let's see how it goes. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, so be it, so be it. Um, but for any, for any aspiring entrepreneur out there, 
I highly recommend submitting an application. It's completely free at the, at the outset. There's no costs whatsoever. Other incubators or other like accelerators or whatever, they'll charge you 10,000 dirhams or 20,000 dirhams. And they really don't give a shit about your startup. Like they only care about make, like filling spots in their like round because every spot is like 10,000 dirhams. We don't, we don't charge anything. There's no upfront fee. <clears throat> How it'll work is the, the founder or the entrepreneur or the founding team, I don't know, uh, brings the brain, which is the idea, and brings the heart, which is the work ethic and the drive and the determination. And lock and stock brings um, the arms and the legs. You know, if you need, if you need to be introduced to like uh, the director of marketing at Noom.com, okay, fine. You know, we'll make the introduction. Uh, director of marketing at McDonald's, okay, fine. We'll make the introduction. Direct chief marketing officer at Imar, we'll make the introduction. It took us like three years to build that database and we literally built it from scratch, right? So we'll help you with that. That's, that's from a sales aspect. Um, do you need to, do you think your startup would benefit from being published in the Gulf News? Great, we'll make the introduction. You think your startup would benefit from be pu being published in the College Times? Great, we'll make the introduction. Do you want to be on the radio? Okay, fine, you know, which radio station? Okay, fine, we've been on all of them, so we'll make the introduction. Um, do you think it's time for outside capital? Great. We'll send an email to the top venture capitalists in the country and get you in the door to million dirham meetings. You know, we'll do all this. <clears throat> and our grand bargain is, you know, we'll help you launch and build your company. Um, we take a small minority stake, you know, like a 15 or 20 or 25% stake. It won't be higher than 25%, but a small minority stake in the startup. And we help you grow this and we help you scale this into a real business with, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe the next unicorn. I don't know. So that, that's the founders club right there. All right. And any, um, young feature entrepreneurs, what are, what is your tip for them? Uh, all right. I know I gave like a super long answer yesterday, so I'm just going to try to keep it short. Um, <clears throat> Me and Jesus, so I'm just gonna quote like Jesus on this because I think he actually has one line that really matters in this scenario. Uh, me and Jesus, we don't see eye to eye on most things, um, but there is, there is one thing the man said that I'll always hold near and dear. Blessed are those who believe yet cannot see. And for any aspiring entrepreneur, that is the one line that you should always hold close to your heart because what you're doing is building something out of nothing, right? This is not like starting a restaurant or a clothing shop or a tour service or something like that, you know? Those things exist and there are templates and blueprints for replicating that. It's not very hard. I mean, it's hard, don't get me wrong, but it's, not, it's nothing new per se. Um, if you're solving a problem that's existed for two years, five years, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, then you're literally creating things from scratch, things that didn't exist before. Uh, you can't you can't see what the end product is. You don't know what the end product is going to look like, but you just got to believe. You know, and if you if you if you believe in your idea with your heart, and if your idea makes sense in your brain, then go for it. Literally, that's uh, that's the one piece of advice I'd give to any aspiring entrepreneur out there. So that brings us at the end of this podcast it's been such an honor having you today craig thank you again for taking the time out of your day i know you're so busy thank you it really means a lot to us uh be sure to follow us on instagram at brazilian.together 
and let us know what you all think of this podcast. You can find Craig on LinkedIn, uh, which is just Craig Fernandez. And you can also find Lock and Stock on Instagram at lockandstock.app and on all application downloading platforms. Once again, thank you so much, Craig. And we cannot wait to see what's in store for Lock and Stock. I, I've always got time for Resilient Together. So thank you thank so you. much for having me. It's honestly, it's been a pleasure.